It's time for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group with financial advisors Kevin Corhorn, Mike Bernard, and Josh Gregory. The Wise Money Show is brought to you by the attorneys at South Bank Legal, First State Bank, Diane Bennett and the Inspired Homes Team, and Bethel University Adult and Graduate Studies. Welcome to another episode of The Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group, where every week we're helping you take your next wise step in your financial life. Thanks for being here, friends. My name is Mike Bernard. I'm your host. I'm also one of the certified financial planners right here on the program. With me in the KFG studios, my business partners and fellow CFPs, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. So where do the biggest gaps exist in your financial life and how do you fill them in? That's one of the toughest questions we're facing these days. And so... (laughs) <laughs> We're going to answer that on this episode and more. That's right. That's right. It got a great story, real life story that kicks things off and sort of emphasizes this. We're going to get into that right now. If you have a question for the program, we'd love to hear from you. You can call or text us 574-222-2000. That's 574-222-2000. Wisemoneyshow.com. You can find us right there on the web and submit a question on the right. And then all over social media. Wherever you're at, we are there as well. Search The Wise Money Show. Follow us there. Leave questions that way also. So we uh, we began our week this week at KFG the same way we begin every week, and that is starting with gratitude, starting with positivity. You know, sometimes in corporate in the corporate world, there's the case of the Monday sort of thing. We, we cut that <laughs> off at KFG, and uh, we start with positive focus where – Josh leads it. It's a meeting where everyone in the organization attends now via Zoom. And we all we share the mission by memory of KFG because we don't want to be a stale firm that, you know, has a mission for marketing purposes, but it's not really who we are. So no, everyone knows it by heart. We share that, share some announcements, and then uh and, and then we all share, go around and share a some some way that we fulfilled the mission last week. And start with a, a positive focus from the previous week. But Josh, during your leadership of that meeting, you shared a story that uh, that kind of emphasizes where gaps exist in people's financial lives. And the more I thought about it, I thought, well, number one, we got to talk about that on the show because this gap exists for many people, and and there are similar gaps. And we, I want to shed light on those, and then, and then we want to help you fill those in. So, Josh, what? Share the story here. Yeah, I, I was excited to show up on on Monday because of this conversation I had just the day before at church, standing around talking to a friend, and it, it was one of those conversations that just gets you fired up and excited about the work that we do. And I, we, we have appointments like that with clients, or you get to see a certain uh, game plan play out, and and you just get sort of reignited in a way. And, and this did that for me because he, he started uh, just kind of asking me some small talk type questions. He, he was asking about Corhorn Financial Group and he said, uh, you guys do taxes, right? And I, I said, yeah, that's a big part of the way that we help people. And he said, you know, the conversation between me and, and my financial advisor or my investment advisor would be the right term to use. It, the, the extent of tax conversation with him, it's all about once a year in the spring, he asked me, do I want to contribute to my SEP IRA or, or just think my retirement plan as a self-employed individual? And, and of course, his answer is, yes, I want to contribute. How much? Well, you need to ask your CPA that. 
So he has to go talk to his his tax preparer and find out, well, how much am I allowed to contribute for, for this year? And, um, and, and he made the comment, my CPA and my investment advisor, they never talk. They have zero relationship whatsoever. And it creates problems for him. And, and then he described a situation where he wanted to sell some stocks last year, but he knew that there was going to be a capital gain. He was going to have some tax ramifications. And so he asked the investment advisor, should I sell these? Well, go talk to your CPA. And the CPA said, well, go talk to your investment advisor because there's probably some capital gains here and you might pay 15% on this. So they, they, they were not collaborating at all. And I, I you know, immediately saw the problem here and I, I said to him, you know, the, the issue here is you have two professionals who have areas of your financial life that their expertise um, should overlap. Mm-hmm. And they're not. They're, they're not communicating at all. And so you have to be the glue that holds those two relationships together. Instead of it overlapping, there's actually a gap between them. Exactly. Because the gap is the collaboration on, you know, what about this? What about this? What about this? So instead of them overlapping a little bit, there's a gap. That's right. And I explained to him that the, the reason you need to have a certified financial planner in your life is to stand with you in that gap and to be the glue with you that pulls these seemingly unrelated areas back together again so that you can make better decisions. And he, he said, you're exactly right. Like, I do have to be the glue in these relationships, but I don't know, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm not a professional. This isn't my, my thing. And um, it, it just got, it sparked a conversation and this sort of renewal in my own mind about how important it is to make sure that the professionals in your life and the various areas of your financial uh, picture are all fitting together like one puzzle instead of, you know, yeah, having these gaps where they just don't fit well together. So, you know, we've we've talked about this idea before on the Wise Money Show uh, for the past six years every Saturday. I mean, that's what comprehensive financial planning is with your certified financial planners, looking at all six areas of your financial life and standing in the gap, making sure that they overlap, okay? And, and working collaboratively with the other financial professionals in your life so that you get the very best recommendation, the best execution, so the best strategy and implementation. But this example from Josh is no matter how many times we preach it, it's still, there's still gaps out there that people are exposed to. And, and I highlighted a few that I'd like us to talk about. In the very first one, Kevin, I, well, I think the very first one is the one that Josh just shared. There is a big gap that exists oftentimes between people's tax preparer and their investment advisor. Now, that investment advisor doesn't call themselves that. They call themselves a financial advisor. Right. And so that can be confusing. But there, there's a big gap between your tax preparation and your investment advice and investment strategy. There is. And I have an interesting story. I was uh, talking with a, a fella who was looking um, for a job in our industry, and he was getting to know our firm and, and what's going on. He started at about the same time I did, but uh, due to his life circumstances, has worked with uh, for several different firms, probably eight to ten different firms. So he's had great experience and seen a lot of things. And then as he finally understood what we do at Corhorn Financial Group, he said, you guys are actually doing it. Because what we do at Corhorn Financial Group is what the financial services 
industry talked about for years. It's to say, hey, what if you were going to have the Mayo Clinic, uh, if you will, of the financial services industry, what would it look like? And it looked like one place where you could go. You need, in, in, the finan- in your financial life, you need strategy, that's the financial planner, and then you need execution, which is the great, um, the, the, the great experts in the various areas as you go around the circle of the six areas of financial planning. So this is where when you talk to most folks, if you talk to them, if they don't work with a certified financial planner, but even if they work with a certified financial planner, if the investment management is not done in-house, if the tax preparation and tax planning are not done in-house, that the coordination never happens. Yeah. And so you, you have these various professionals that are supposed to be uh, serving you and they really, they really can't serve you effectively unless they are collaborating and co-creating with each other. Well, and you have to have that at some level. Either they need to provide that collaboration or you need to be the one who pulls it all together because you can't make investment decisions in your life without having tax ramifications. And, and that could be just as simple as which tax shelters do you use to buy your investments? What do you do with your investments after you own them? There are tax consequences all over the place, and that's why those two professionals need to be talking. And, and we're going to hit that more, but it's not just taxes and your investment advisor. There are other huge planning gaps. We're going to help you fill those gaps, that and more, coming up on The Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. What's so bad if your investment advisor calls himself a financial planner, financial advisor, isn't working with and collaborating with your tax professional? I mean, what's the harm in that? Well, we'll tell you. We're talking about that right now, those planning gaps and how to fix them this is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. Thanks for being here. My name is Mike Bernard. Here with me in the KFG studios, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. Make sure you stay up to date on all Wise Money content. Check us out online at wisemoneyshow.com and then all over social media. Just search the Wise Money Show. Subscribe to it and follow us there. So we're talking about these big planning gaps that exist when you're not doing comprehensive financial planning. And to me, none is bigger than the gap between your investment professional calls himself a financial advisor they look and they sound a lot like us, um, but they're not doing comprehensive financial planning for you. Between them and your tax professional, your tax preparer, I mean, what's the big deal? The big deal is you will end up ma- paying more tax. I, I mean, you just you just will. You will either miss opportunities to improve your tax situation, or you'll flat out make decisions that cause you to pay more tax. Here's what I'm thinking. Kevin, what was it? Uh, a couple of weeks ago, you shared a story about a business owner who fell onto difficult times during the coronavirus. <laughs> Imagine that. And had this huge loss that you guys had recognized in the fall. And you said, hey, life has dealt us some lemons. Let's make lemonade. Let's do Roth conversions. And they were able to convert about $400,000 of pre-tax IRA money mm-hmm. into a Roth IRA and still be in the 12% tax bracket because of the losses. That's phenomenal. 
if if you're not standing in that gap, then the client's going to show up, sit down with their their tax preparer, get their taxes done, say, "Gosh, that's a big loss." Well, that's okay. It was a terrible year, and they'll just keep right on trucking. But in, and then in the future, have to take money out of their IRA, do RMD, paying tax at 22 or 24 or whatever the taxes are out there in the future, and would have missed this opportunity, would have never known it. So if you're not if you're not doing making proactive tax planning choices with your investments and with your dollars, I just can't say it more simply enough than it's going to lead to you paying more taxes. Yeah, that's exactly right. And it's it's one of the reasons why in the fall, especially running tax projections with your investments in mind, you know, should you be uh, realizing some capital gains? Should you be selling something to capture a loss? Should you be doing any of those Roth conversions? It becomes easier and easier or more and more clear on what the right strategy is as we get further into the calendar year, as long as you plan ahead and schedule that time to pause before the end of the year and take inventory on where you stand with with your tax picture and what you could be doing differently with those investments. All right. So the other big area, another big area, and Kevin's got a story here that, that weaves these two together, but also taxes, but I've got a heartbreaking one. And that is between your financial professional, let's call them a financial advisor that's just helping you with your investments, and your insurance and your insurance agent. This is a true story. A friend of mine who just has us working with, has never been interested in us helping with insurance, um, was this a couple years ago, but it's sort of manifesting right now, was at the store, parked the car, walking through the parking lot. Someone turns the corner, hits him. Three surgeries later and retiring three years before he thought because of the pain that he's in and all of that. Um, there, we're just about ready to finish the lawsuit for his all of his injuries and, and everything like that, all the, all the costs. And um, the attorney that was helping him was um, thinking it was going to be a million to 1.5. Wow. And, the, and the insurance company that represents the driver filed bankruptcy. No way. I'm not kidding. The insurance company. The insurance company filed bankruptcy. So now this individual that hit him, that has all the fault, has no insurance. And so what happens in that sense? Oh, my goodness. The, the, the claim falls back on this friend of mine, his insurance. And he happened to have an umbrella policy because he heard me talk about that, but his umbrella policy does not cover on an underinsured motorist. He just got his payout after attorney's fees for 168,000 and it should have been 1.5 million. Wow. Because of the lack of communication, lack of collaboration between insurance. And I mean, you're home on auto insurance. Who would have thought that? And your overall financial life. And so, you know, is that going to happen to everyone? No, it's going to happen to very few. But there's all sorts of circumstances. And because of how health insurance is now intertwined with taxes, and it's just it, that it's, it's connected. And if you're not working with a certified financial planner who's helping make sure they're connected, then there's a gap. And you've got to stand in that. And you have no idea where risk could fall in that gap. Wow. Th- think about that person who turned the corner and hit your friend. 
it sounds like they had done things right, other than, you know, obviously caused a terrible accident here. But they must have had great insurance in place just with the wrong company. Yeah. Um, who, who would have thought that your, your insurance company could go bankrupt or would go bankrupt? But this is one of those places where if, if you ask yourself, what, what does my investment advisor know that my insurance agent needs to know? And, and one of those things is, well, what is your financial life? What's, what's the lay of the land when you look at the assets that you've accumulated in your life? Which assets are at risk to be you know, claimed by creditors if you were the one that caused that accident? Um, you know, do you have a significant amount of money in IRAs that would be more protected? Or do you have money that maybe you inherited that are outside of IRAs and, and could be accessible? Um, making sure that your insurance agent understands your financial risks and, and what money could be lost if the wrong event happened in your life, that is one of the places where professionals are not talking. The agent doesn't know your financial life, and the investment advisor isn't talking to you about your liability protection. Mm-hmm. Which is why you want to have a tool in your, in your financial life where you're enti- you have transparency and visibility on your entire financial life. Because that's what we do for the clients that we serve. We set up a private website and we connect all of their financial life. It's not transactionable, but you can at least see what you have and where it is and what the values are. And I, I've, we've built these for clients and we've looked and these clients have, you know, two, three, four million dollar net worth. And you look at their insurance coverage and then you ask the question, so does your insurance agent know what your net worth is. And a lot of times the answer is, well, you know, I haven't seen the agent in years. I just talked to the gal at the front desk and whatever. Or and and the because you're saying the the in, the person who sells them investments should be talking to the insurance person. But a lot of times the investment person has no idea what their net worth is. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. That's exactly right. And, and so oftentimes with, within the area of, of insurance, it's just like Kevin mentioned, we're looking at someone helping them manage their wealth and so on. And they've got, you know, $2 million net worth and they've got $250,000 of liability coverage. It doesn't, doesn't, doesn't match. The other thing though, I just had this on, on Thursday, uh, they've got a thousand dollar deductible on the house and they've got around $450,000 sitting in cash. Hmm. So you say, you know, even on the innocent <laughs> side of, wait a second, how much are you actually um, willing to pay for if there's an accident to keep your cost, your premium cost down? How much of, uh, of the deductible can you stomach? They can stomach a lot more and reduce their premiums. So that's the gap within insurance. Your certified financial planner, that's their role to fill that gap and make sure there's collaboration. There are two others that I really want to point out, and one of them is going to shock you. I got that and more coming up on The Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Arguably, in today's world, the way you know technology is influencing how we make financial decisions, how we get our financial uh, plan built, there's an enormous gap being created 
that people are missing out on. And we're going to talk about that right now, help you fix it. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. Thanks for being here. My name is Mike Bernard. Here with me in the KFG studios, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. Every episode of the Wise Money Show is on the YouTube channel. Go check it out. Go to YouTube, search the Wise Money Show, and subscribe to it there. So we're talking about the big gaps that exist naturally in your financial life. And it's your certified financial planner's job to make sure there's no gap they're standing in that gap and actually making sure there's overlap because they can speak the language on all sides, in all areas, and they're going to make sure that there's overlap. Um, what about with your investment professional and your attorney, your estate planning attorney? To me, where I see this, I'm licking my chops as meeting with new folks when they show up and number one, they've got they're funding an investment account that's not a tax shelter. I say, okay, wait, where was the, where should this be? Where should this investment actually be held to get you the most tax benefit? But second, when I look and it's a married couple and it's just an individual that owns it, or maybe it's even just joint, um, that money for no additional cost could have a contract attached to it that says, when I die, send the money here. And by the way, avoid probate along the way. Mm-hmm. And so I, I see that being a gap between your estate planning attorney and your investment execution. Uh, that's exactly right. So the, the document that Mike is referring to is something called a transfer on death designation. And it's, it's the way that you take a, a normal taxable account that's just in your name. So we're not talking Roth IRAs or traditional IRAs or anything. Maybe it's just a, a mutual fund account that you opened up in your name or even own it jointly with your spouse, but it doesn't automatically have beneficiaries attached to it. So if you were to pass away and not have beneficiaries on these accounts, what happens is that money goes into your estate and your will dictates where it goes, assuming you have a will. And the, the issue with that, some people, the, the word probate has become a dirty word in a lot of families because it can be an unnecessary delay. It's got some hassle attached to it, maybe some, some cost at times um, that, that isn't even necessary if you just put this, this document in place. But that's part of a broader issue of just having the right beneficiaries listed on all of your various assets. So we see this a lot also with attorneys who um, a, a, an individual or a couple is sitting down with an attorney and they've not talked to, their, to a certified financial planner. And the attorney talks to them about why they need a trust. And a trust sounds sophisticated and it sounds... And they can make it sound very appealing and necessary. But then the, I mean, at least we see it and new folks that come to us and they say, oh yeah, I met with this attorney, got the trust in place. And then you look at their financial life and you're like, you don't need a trust. Yeah. There's, that was, that was, there's no value to that. Trusts usually have a bigger price tag attached to them yeah. for the attorneys that draft them. But when they're being unused or being used unnecessarily, it is adding some complexity and some cost. And there's just other ways to accomplish the same thing if you get your beneficiaries set up correctly. Yeah, and remember, it's a tool. So if, if for the right job, a, a trust can work. And as you look at what they're talking about with reducing the federal estate tax uh, exemptions from 11.5 down to 2 million, or who knows what it will be, trust me, we're going to be talking about estate planning a whole lot more. Yeah, for sure. that's right. For sure. But something to keep in mind, if you do go get those documents in place, 
you know, you, you have an attorney who drafts a will or a trust or some other fancy documents. It's the implementation of it that determines whether or not it actually gives you a lift in your financial life or benefits the people that are left behind when, when you pass away. But keep in mind that the beneficiaries you name on your IRA or your Roth IRA, that decision supersedes anything that the attorney drafts for you. Yeah. And so you've got to make sure that what you're getting in place with your investment advisor is coordinated with your estate planning attorney, that they're not, you know, basically playing from a different sheet of music and maybe have you in a position where there's some mistakes built into your financial life because it wasn't implemented correctly. It's a fair segue here. So, so to me, this one's going to surprise you. It's the biggest. In my opinion, this is the biggest planning gap. And um, so we said between your investment advisor and your tax preparer, between your investment advisor and your insurance agent, between your investment advisor and your uh, attorney. The biggest planning gap, in my opinion, is between you and your financial technology. Take this example that Josh brought up about uh, um, getting your estate plan done. Why go to an attorney when you can just go to LegalZoom.com and get it done? And hey, great, check estate plan in place. Why go to a CPA or a tax professional when I can get H&R Cube, get it done for free or very little online, check taxes prepared? Why go to an investment advisor when I can set up a Robin Hood or I got auto-enrolled into my 401k and check, done, investing, done. And you're missing out. No one is standing in the gap there helping you determine, okay, what type of estate plan do you need? And then how do you implement it once you get it set up? What type of uh, tax shelters should you be taken advantage of? Should you actually be investing differently or funding different accounts so your tax return could have been prepared where you pay less tax over your lifetime? How much should you be saving into your 401k? Should it be pre-tax or Roth? Should you use that uh, qualified uh, default investment option or pick your own? uh, So to me, We've got this inertia of technology, and I love it. It's going to make things easier. The microwave can cook my steak faster than I'm just joking. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, the, you're going to say better the, there. But. I, so, as but long as you got ketchup. It, <laughs> that's a, oh, who would have a steak without ketchup, Kevin? Who would have? Come on. Uh, so, <laughs> but technology can make things easier. I'm saying it's giving you a false sense that you're getting something accomplished. You're getting maybe a task done, but you're missing out on significant financial gains. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're describing an efficient, maybe tech-savvy way to implement things in your financial life. But if you shortchange the planning aspect, then you might be implementing the wrong thing. You know where I thought you were going to go with this, though? This gap between you know y- your financial life and your technology was in the use of online calculators and things, Um, maybe putting too much faith in some online tool that tells you, hey, you are totally on pace for your retirement when you don't really fully understand, do the assumptions that are being built into that calculator match the reality of your financial life and and uh, or, or even the intentions of your financial life. And um, that's one of the reasons why a lot of these online tools, they, they might 
get you at least pointed in the right direction. They might give you a sense for, you know, what, what should you be doing, but it's not personalized. And it does create a planning gap in your life if you're relying on that exclusively. So how do you fill in these gaps? We've been talking about it along the way. Your certified financial planner's job is to fill in those gaps to help them overlap, to bring all six areas of your financial life together in synergy. Your present financial position, so cash, bank accounts, and loans, okay? Your protection plan, all areas of insurance. Your tax plan, your tax strategy advice. Your investment strategy, your investment plan, retirement and college plan, and your estate plan. Your certified financial planner's job is to bring all of those together. If your CFP is not doing that, if they're just focusing on one area or the investment, you've got the wrong CFP. You do. And that filling in those gaps will mean meaningful difference in your financial life. All right, we've got questions from fans of the show. That and more coming up on The Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. The Wise Money Show is brought to you by the attorneys at South Bank Legal, First State Bank, Diane Bennett and the Inspired Homes Team, and Bethel University Adult and Graduate Studies. You're 72, you got to take your required minimum distribution. You don't need the money. Is there any way to get around these rules? What do you what do you do with it? How's that all work? Ah, great question from a fan of the show. We're hitting it right now. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. Thanks for being here. My name is Mike Bernard. Here with me in the KFG studios, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. If you listen to podcasts, listen to the Wise Money Show on podcast. Why not? Every episode of the show is on our podcast. Check it out wherever you listen to podcasts. Search the Wise Money Show and and rate the show and follow us there. We appreciate that. All right, so we're we've got questions from fans of the show. First question was texted in oh a couple months ago. Sorry, uh, it, we've got a queue here. Lots uh, a long list, but I have a question about RMD, which is required minimum distribution. I turned seventy-two October in October. I'm retired military, and uh, and I've got service connected to disability. Um, I've got Social Security. I've got three small pensions from past employment. That's fantastic. I don't need this money. I don't need this required distribution. How can I roll this money over? Yeah, what what a great question. And uh, Ola, thank you for your your service. I I love the fact that we've got. Uh, you know, the, the greatest military in the world, and, and we certainly want to serve you well today. But th- this question of what do you do with those old pensions, you know, one of your options uh, often is to roll those dollars over into an IRA, and, and you frame this as an as an RMD question, I, I think because you recognize that when money goes into an IRA, now it is subject to the requirements that you have to pull a minimal amount out every year. And it's at age 72 and, um, and, and every year thereafter. Mm-hmm. Once you get the money into an IRA, though, and you begin pulling money out, uh, you know, fulfilling the, the compliance rules there, um, you don't have to spend the money, first of all. You could take those required minimum distributions and reinvest them elsewhere. It just has to come out of the IRA because the government wants to tax you on it. But then the rest of the money that's still in the account... There may be some years where you want to do some Roth conversions and, and get it out of the IRA and into a Roth IRA 
where the required minimum distributions don't apply anymore. So there may be multiple things that you could be doing if you were to roll these dollars over because you're saying, hey, I, I don't need this as an income stream for whatever reason. Yeah, Ola, it, it, this, is, this is when you really, at, at 72, you want to have a tax projection for the next 20 years. What am I going to do? And it sounds like with your fixed income, if you've got disability, social security, and various pensions, you've got a, a fixed stream of income that you don't have flexibility on increasing or decreasing, which is fine. That's a great position. That's actually an enviable position to be in. When I went to uh, my reunion with the guys that I served in the Army with, most of them got into government-type work where they all have pensions and they were talk or unions and they were talking about how many pensions I had one pension two pensions three pensions at 55 I'll make more than I was when I was working and wow. all of these sustainable things and <laughs> so as as we're as we're talking about this that that is that is fabulous so the question is how much do you have in 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 your uh, retirement accounts that you're going to have to start pulling money off of. And I would tell you, Ola, the first thing that I would think about is if I give any money any year to a charity, m part of my required minimum distribution is going to come directly from my retirement plan, my IRA, and go directly to that charity. Mm -hmm. So if I give $6,000 a year to my church, it is coming directly from my IRA. It is not coming from my IRA to my checking account, and then the check is written to the church. It goes directly to the church. What does that do? That increases your, in essence, your deductibility on the federal side quite likely, but it for sure makes it so you don't pay state tax on that money. That maneuver that Kevin's describing, by the way, is called a qualified charitable distribution, if you want to kind of educate yourself a little bit more on that. Right. And so we don't, in a jargon-free zone, we don't talk about QCDs on our RMD. Um, <laughs> but so you want to think about, all right, do I do a qualified charitable distribution? There you go. And then I have to get my requirement distribution satisfied. But I also have to say, with this pile of money in my IRA, who's going to pay the tax on it? So, Ola, it's either going to be you or your beneficiaries. So if you die and you've never paid tax on that money, your beneficiaries will, and your beneficiaries have 10 years to get the job done. It used to be they had a lifetime to get that job done, and now they only have 10 years to do it. So I would be looking and saying, okay, who's, who should pay the tax on this? And a lot of times, and I've had this conversation with folks, and they say, well, listen, I don't really care if my kids get anything. As a matter of mm -hmm. fact, if they get a bill from the undertaker, do they still call them under, whatever, whatever <laughs> you call them these days, but if you get a, 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 a bill from the funeral home, that's fine. And I say, well, that's cool. Well, uh, let me give you two choices then. Uh, how about your kids and the federal government? Yeah. Now, now it's a jump ball. Who would you tip it to? Because if you, if you like your kids better than the federal government, you owe it to yourself and your beneficiaries to create a financial plan that determines when and how much you're going to pay in taxes on those dollars. Uh, uh, yeah, I, and that, I, I actually can't say it any better, but I would summarize that do tax planning to see what options are available. There really aren't many to avoid RMD, 
but there you can do tax planning around your RMD to manage it appropriately for the rest of your life and possibly multiple generations. A uh, a qualified charitable distribution is a way to help manage the taxes. There's also a thing called a a qualified deferred investment annuity QDIA I believe is what it is. Now there's some limitations with that and you pretty much you'd cap any sort of investment return just to avoid RMD which is weird anyway. So anyway, but there's some If you love complexity, that is a perfect strategy. <laughs> but it just delays it. It's, it doesn't get around it. But but the big idea is uh, is do tax planning to make sure that you're figuring out whether you should exp- explore any other options around your RMD. All right. So next question here came through uh, came through Facebook. My investment advisor is recommending that my husband and I buy a variable annuity called I, I'm not going to use the name, okay? Because it doesn't really matter. We're, our investment advisor is recommending that we buy an, an a variable annuity with $300,000 of our 1.8 million. My husband's 65, I'm 62. And what do you guys think? Well, if it's it's for uh, a replacement for bonds or a bond proxy. Yeah, so again, I I skipped over some parts of the question, but yeah, that's that's an important detail. It has a, the, the, Particular variable annuity has a six-year investment as replacement for bond investments. So I I would not use a variable annuity to get that job done. Completely mm-hmm. agree. I, I would consider that a, a mismatch. Again, variable annuity is a tool. It can be used for the for for a very specific job, but I I personally um, and this is the thing that we love about financial planning. You could put. 100 planners together and and get about 150 different ideas on how you do it. <laughs> so I think what I would do, I, I'm not opposed to considering a fixed annuity. And a fixed annuity behaviorally is going to act a lot like what, what most people would be familiar with would be a CD. Now, do not hear me saying that a fixed annuity is a CD at all. It is not. But when you say that the behavioral characteristics of that investment, yes, that's going to – the thing that most people are most familiar with, if you said uh, fixed annuity and CD, those that, that's where you'd be together. Sure. But I, I – and so if you believe that interest rates are going up over time, bond prices then therefore will go down. So you might want to have something that – guarantees you a certain result, but I wouldn't use a variable annuity to get that job done. I agree. I, I assume the only circumstances where a variable annuity could even be thought of as a potential bond and investment replacement is if there are some bells and whistles built into this product that give a guaranteed lifetime income withdrawal um, or, or some some variant of that. But basically, there there are a lot of these annuities where they've gotten creative and adding on a bunch of features that cost you money, right? These are not free. They are not cheap. Um, but And they also take away a lot of flexibility for you in your financial life. You, you get into one of these, for it to play out well for you, 
you need to think of it as stuck there forever. Yeah. Okay. As, as I was going to say, six-year investment in a variable annuity, no, that yeah. money is going to be stuck there forever. Right? Yeah. And, and plan on that money all going to the insurance company. Now, that's not how it's going to be sold to you. But I, the complexity involved in a variable annuity, and trust me as I'm getting older, because every variable annuity is different. And it feels like a, a variable annuity with those bells and whistles, when you look at the internal expenses on those things, it will take your breath away. Mm-hmm. And it's really set up like a lobster trap. Yeah. Like the money can get in, but getting it out and saying, oh, I've got two different um, I've got two different sets of books. I've got the account <laughs> value and the benefit base and all that stuff. I understand that, but the level of complexity is is not warranted for most people. Yeah. Do financial planning. Your certified financial planner is going to be a fiduciary. Now, what has surprised me is it seems like in the financial world, in order to be a fiduciary, you need to hate certain tools. Well, that's foolish. A fiduciary is supposed to survey all tools and say which one's the right one for the job. So I, I wouldn't work with someone that is repulsed by those, but is more so objective about how they work and what your needs are, and then can make sure that they're playing the match game really well. So um, yeah. Sean's got a quick question here I, I want to hit. I've always funded my HSA, built it up over the years. We finally had a big uh, year of medical expenses last year, so I withdrew the money. Now I'm realizing I actually could have left the money in there and invested it. I had other cash I could have used for the medical expenses. Is there any way to get the money back in the HSA? The answer is no. The answer the answer is no. I mean, you you... You in one year or over years you've contributed, is there a way to get the money, put it back in after you've spent it? Un- unfortunately, not. Um, I would, Sean. I'd, I'd work with uh, your CFP and your tax preparer to see what options you have available. Maybe you could redo last year's money, uh, depending on the timing of it. But as far as multiple years you took it out, there's no way to get that money back in. Or just make sure that you make a really heavy contribution this year yeah. to try to replenish the account quickly. All right. That's all the time we have for today. On behalf of Josh Gregory, Kevin Corhorn, myself, all of us at KFG, have a great weekend. We'll see you next Saturday for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Securities offered through Silver Oak Securities, member FINRA slash SIPC. Advisory services offered through KFG Wealth Management, LLC. Doing business as Corhorn Financial Group. KFG Wealth Management, LLC and Silver Oak Securities Incorporated companies are unaffiliated.